Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Welcome to the Madhouse, the first recorded episode of 2020, and it's episode 20. We are hauled up at the top of Victoria Centre in Nottingham. I am Jimmy over there, the man responsible for locking up this shopping centre. It's Joey. Hello. All right? Yes, thank you. Are you? Yeah, I'm good. So, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Accidental... Episode 20. Oh, okay. If I can yes. just explain. Go for my it. My mistake. Um, at the end of the last episode, I may have got a bit excited about doing Dawn of the Dead and said this episode was Dawn of the Dead, which it is. But we were supposed to be doing every 10 episodes George A. Romero films in order that he made them. And I <laughs> up, basically. <laughs> so this should be the season of The Witch and then The Crazies and so on. But it's not. So we're doing Dawn of the Dead. Episode 30 will be uh, Season of the Witch. Yes. And we'll carry on from there and skip Dawn of the Dead when we get to it. Just got excited. It does It does kind of make sense to follow on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which would mean Day of the Dead next, right? <laughs> yes. But we're going to go for Season of the Witch next. Lovely. Nice. So this one, Dawn of the Dead, probably one of the best zombie films Oh, ever made what do you reckon to that yes how do you rate this next to night of the living dead how do i rate this yeah oh on a scale of what i oh, know just just compared to night of the living dead i would say probably 90 percent better really yeah i'm gonna okay. go that big on it <laughs> okay i prefer night of the living dead shut up <laughs> get out of my shopping center <laughs> Uh, I will open these doors and we will let the horde in and they will decide. Okay. So if the zombies go and eat you, that means Night of the Living Dead's better. If the zombies go for me, that means Dawn of the Dead's better. Or they could disagree with the one they're eating. Yeah. I have to let them know when they're on their way in. Right, what the plan yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I liked this film a lot. Obviously, it is, as you say, one of the best zombie films ever made. Just something about Night of the Living Dead. Do you not think me. he's just stepped up his game? I do, yeah. This is a long film as well, clocking in at two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah, it ups the stakes, it ups everything Yeah, in this film. I don't know what it is, it's not something I can explain. It's also slightly more comical, this one. It was yeah. supposed to be more comical than it than it when it came out. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the cut that we, have, that we see now is not as funny as it was originally written to be. But I think I liked the seriousness of Night of the Living Dead. This, yeah. What would we do if this happened? We'd do we'd, we'd do what they do in Dawn of the Dead, have a little joke and a laugh. Yeah, a little bit of a pie in the face. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that one. You like it, obviously. I, I like, like it. it. The body count comes in at 93 in this film. 
Oh, I had no idea. That's a lot. 17 humans die. Yeah. And 76 zombies. I'm guessing that body count increases a lot not long after the pie fight. That's when the bikers all get picked off. I saw this film was made on a budget of 1.5 million or 500,000 or 600,000. As it was believed the cost of production may have been artificially inflated in order order to sell it at a higher price to foreign distributors. Okay. This was said by producer Richard Rubenstein on a commentary track. It made 55 million at box office, so a big success either way. But it's hard to tell how much they made this for. I know money was tight. Yeah, money is is too tight to mention. Uh, well, I've mentioned it. Deal with it. Well, you you broken that rule. <laughs> they um, I was surprised that financing was hard to find. Seeing as Night of the Living Dead was pretty big as a cult film at the time. That's that's probably why because it was, but it was more of the cult financially film. successful. Night of the Living Dead wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought that someone would have backed a sequel then. Anyway, they didn't. Well, they did in the end. We'll get to it. Working title for this film was Dawn of the Living Dead. Yes, but as we have mentioned before, doesn't Russo get uh, the right to use uh, the the Living Dead and Romero had to go with Of the Dead? Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly what the deal was, so I was hoping you'd yeah, explain it, it again. I mean, it, might not have, it might not have happened for this film, but yeah, it does, it does happen, so... Well, it did happen. And this film contains the word zombie. Yes, only once, though. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, the, it's... I think I'm right in saying this, that it's the only film that mentions it in the, the George A. Romero of the Dead series. I think so, yeah. I'd, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it was Peter in this film. Uh, when they open those doors, there's going to be a thousand zombies in here. I think, I think he says it. I don't... Maybe... It, there's one word in Night of the Living Dead, but I'm not 100%. I don't think that's right. I think this is... I don't the think there is a Night that... of the Living Dead. No, I think... I seem to remember talking to you about it, saying they don't say zombie in the whole film. Yeah. I think it is just this film. Yeah. Uh, it spawned a good uh, remake or re-ad- re-adaptation. Yeah, 2004? Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good remake. I saw that first. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. Uh, how old are I? 15, I think it would have been. And it's got, um, who's in it? Who's originally, who's in this? Is it Scott Rainier? Reiniger. Reiniger. Reiniger, sorry. Is he in this one? I think he plays somebody in the the remake as well. Yeah. He, oh, I can't remember. Sheriff or something, or copper or something. Yeah. He plays in that. And there's a guy... In this film, who is in Day of the Dead? Yes, his character. The he's a he's a policeman, isn't he? Yes. In this one, yeah. But uh, then he's at the tenement. Yeah. Scene, is it there? I think so. I think I've got it written down for later on anyway. But that's interesting. Let's come back to it later on because I think we're spunking our load all over the intro. <laughs> yeah, well, a bit premature, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's what happens at old age, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. When I catch up. Oh, ah, lovely. <laughs> right, it's time for a plot slot, I think. Four plays over, Jimmy. Okay, so what we've decided to do this time is actually have a real-life zombie banging on the door. 
Okay, I so did not when know they that. knock the door, that's our timer. So when they knock the door down, <laughs> that's plots all over. Do you got to do it before they knock the door down. So do you have this plan? Back up. Yeah. I don't have an alarm that sounds like a knocking door. Oh, wow. That's that's fine. As as I said, we are holed up here in our own shopping centre. Yeah, an alarm is not a good idea. It's going to no. let everyone know where we are. But we are dedicated yes. to the podcast. Absolutely. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, let me just have a little uh, quick sip. Okay. Okay. Am I going, am I? Yes. Are we going? Yeah, we're five seconds in. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, tensions. They're running high in the United States. The recently deceased are returning to life as shambling flesh-eating ghouls and uh, political dissidents are threatening social stability. In the city of Philadelphia, born and raised, uh, Fran, an employee of WGON TV and radio, learns that her program director, Givens, is broadcasting out-of-date information about rescue stations that have been overrun by the living dead. Fran's boyfriend, Stephen, who pilots the station's traffic helicopter, arrives at the station and tells her that they must escape in order to survive. He plans on stealing the station's chopper. And tells Fran to meet him on the roof at 9pm. Meanwhile, in another part of Philadelphia, the city's SWAT team is preparing to launch an assault on a low-income tenement building filled with African-Americans and Hispanic refugees who refuse to leave their homes for emergency shelters. They also refuse to give up their dead, both deceased and reanimated, harbouring them in the basement of the tenement. After a gun battle with armed bandits on the roof, the police and National Guard soldiers break into the building using tear gas. Roger, played by Scott Reniger, Reniger. Always the podcast you can come to for great (laughs) pronunciations of actors' names. Well, if people just had simple ones... I know. It'll be alright. Anyway, one of the SWAT troopers becomes disgusted by the bloodthirsty behaviour of some of their fellow SWAT members when one of them named Woolly goes crazy and begins shooting at both zombies and innocent bystanders. A tall figure in a gas mask shoots the rogue officer dead. Now, Woolly's gone f***ing mental. Yeah, he literally doesn't give a shit who he's shooting. He's one of those type of people who's got the excuse of being in the shit. Yeah, he's got that... To do what he wants. Yeah, and he's got that bloodthirsty, like, I'm going to go for this and just shoot any old but it doesn't last long. No. Because shot in the head. Great. <laughs> Roger retreats to the basement to escape the confusion. But the tall figure follows him. He removes his mask and reveals himself to be an imposing man named Peter. They have a talk for a few minutes and agree that the zombie plague will only get worse. Roger tells Peter about his friend who has a helicopter. He plans to leave with Stephen and Fran and suggests Peter join their escape. The two SWAT men are startled when an elderly Hispanic priest emerges from a room in the cellar. The man is missing a leg and walks with a crutch. He tells them that he has administered the last rites to the dead people in the next room and that the soldiers may now do what they will with them. Peter and Roger kill all the zombies in the cellar, the gravity of the situation nearly overcoming them. I would have shot the priest. (laughs) Nice. Why? Well, he's clearly a nonce, isn't he? priest isn't it yeah he's got one leg what so kick his crutch away you want to shoot him because of his religion and his disability yeah hold on i'm back in woolly here where's woolly (laughs) (laughs) 
Meanwhile, Stephen and Fran arrive in their helicopter at an abandoned police station pier on the Delaware River to refuel and wait for Roger to show up. They are surprised when four rogue policemen arrive and threaten them for looting the place. Roger and Peter arrive and the rogue cops back down, allowing the four to go on their way. Stephen and Fran are surprised that Roger has brought somebody with him, but they agree to take Peter with them. The four of them fly into the night. In the morning, Stephen lands the helicopter at a small, deserted rural airport depot to refuel. While exploring the area, zombies attack them from out of nowhere. Stephen tries to prove his manliness before Fran, who is carrying his child. But he is both clumsy and a shit shot. Terrible. Roger has to kill the zombies Stephen weakly shoots at, and Stephen nearly kills Peter when aiming for a zombie. That was... Poor gun control right there. Terrible, and Peter does say that as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Later. (laughs) Later, while in the air again, they see a deserted shopping mall. They land on its roof and break in through a skylight to rest and to collect supplies. The place is full of zombies milling about inside. The group theorise that the undead were drawn to the drawn to a place that had meant so much to them when they were alive. Despite the growing number of undead outside, the four refugees realise that they could survive there for a long time. It even has a gun shop. They'll be able to find weapons to defend themselves. Using the mall's floor plans and master keys, Peter, Roger and Stephen race around the mall, collecting supplies they will need to make a home. They take these supplies to an upstairs area where they and Fran build a home in an annex of former offices and a storage room. Fran is resistant to the idea. She thinks it's a bad idea to leave what is left of society, but perhaps because she is pregnant and wants to do what's best for her child, she stays. She is later accosted by one of the zombies and insists that she will never be left alone and that they teach her to shoot properly so she can defend herself. She also says, don't you ever leave me alone without a gun again. Yes. Um, She's got that crazy pregnant woman business going on. (laughs) Sure. Jimmy's words, not mine. I just want to just <laughs> just want to touch back on something quickly about them being in the mall. That that's what they the zombies. That that's how what they recognise. Yes, and that's what they go to do. George is very good at doing that. Does that in quite uh, I think Land of the Dead as well. There's uh, a few things just going about their business. What they would have done in real. Yeah, yeah. Before just they were dead. Uh, residual instinct or something. Yeah. What would you be doing? Just quickly. You don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> I want to wank. <laughs> Air guitar, probably, because I wouldn't pick one up. I'd just have the same instinct to strum. I think I'd be walking back and forwards across the zebra crossing outside my flat to the shop to get cans. <laughs> you just load it up all the time. <laughs> well, there wouldn't be any cider. I'd just be walking to the door, banging on it with my head, and then walking back across. Yeah. Banging on my front door, and then... Back across again. Cider. Anyway, off after that tangent. The next day, the group realise they need to rid the mall of zombies. A, deci- a decision is made to block the entrance to the mall with semi-trucks semi from a nearby warehouse. While Stephen circles the operation in his helicopter, Peter and Roger hotwire the trucks and drive them to the mall. Peter is disturbed that Roger seems to be losing his grip on reality. He's become arrogant and takes unnecessary risks in order to de- demonstrate his mastery of the situation. 
Why is Peter flying that helicopter around? F***ing knows, because he can't get hold of them. And he it's can't do anything. If anything, he's drawing more attention to them That's what the I truck. thought. I'd be like, everyone's going to see that helicopter flying randomly around the mall a lot. I suppose they've got to give him something to do, because he's f***ing he's useless, useless at this point here. Unfortunately, he is bitten by zombies. That's uh, not Peter. It's Roger. Rog. Uh, bitten by zombies while trying to get into one of the trucks. They all realise that Roger's wound will prove fatal as nobody can survive a bite for more than a few days. Fran is conflicted. She wants to take Roger to a medical facility, but the others won't hear of it. They're convinced Roger is doomed, but decide to let the disease run its course. Yeah, he's got one on his arm, one on his leg. Yeah, after shouting yee-haw a million times. Yeah, yeah, he just kept saying that a lot. Yee-haw! That's, that's the one. Done the dishes. Yee-haw! <laughs> Sat down in this truck. Yeehaw! <laughs> Over the next several days, they begin to make them all their home. Yeehaw! <laughs> they care for the ailing Roger as best they can, but his condition rapidly deteriorates until it's clear he's on the verge of death. Peter builds a fake wall in front of the only hallway that leads to their home, disguising it from any potential looters that may come through the area. They monitor a television to see if the zombie crisis ever ends, but the news is dismal. Roger makes Peter promise to kill him if he comes back as a zombie, because he tells Peter he's going to try not to return. Roger does return, and Peter is forced to shoot his animated corpse in the head. They bury Roger inside of a large planter that houses decorative palm trees inside the mall. One night, Peter prepares for a romantic dinner with Fran and Stephen. When Peter leaves them alone, Stephen proposes marriage to Fran, but Fran declines, saying that they can't make that kind of commitment, given what the world has become. It wouldn't be real, she explains, because it is in any other sense. Stephen seems to be depressed by her refusal. <laughs> Over the next few months, the three survivors, Stephen, Fran and Peter, have hauled various items from the mall into the office space as their home. Fran is now showing signs of her pregnancy. She got back as she walks around the windowless apartment. Peter is seen unhappily swinging tennis balls against the wall. I don't think he's unhappy. I think he's just Stressed. plain squash. Relieving his boredom. Ah, uh, we suck. Oh! <laughs> okay. Where were you? You caught us out. There's no zombie at the door. <laughs> We've done too much, too good a job at securing this shopping center. Yeah. Anyway, by now there are hundreds of zombies wandering around the empty acres of the parking lot that surrounds the mall. Eventually, all television and radio transmissions cease. The remaining three bicker as their sense of isolation and claustrophobia gets stronger. One evening. Stephen and Peter play cards using the worthless cash stolen from the mall bank. That looked fun. I'd definitely do that. Yep. While Fran cooks some dinner. During the dinner, Fran becomes annoyed by the white noise static from the nearby TV set and has to turn it off. There hasn't been a broadcast in three days. Except, like, Friends reruns and... Probably, Come yeah. Die With Me. How I Met Your Mother. It's probably been on a lot. Yeah. The Chase. I don't know what The Chase is. A game show. All right. Okay. <laughs> Is on a lot? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? In the shopping mall. Yeah, I know. We're sat in Tiger, but... <laughs> Stephen refuses to turn off the TV set. Fran gets up from the table and turns off the TV before returning to her place at the table. Stephen promptly rises and defiantly turns the TV back on. He hasn't seen that episode of 
friends yet. Fran then explains, what have we done to ourselves? We do nothing but watch Friends. Oh, oh I don't want to watch the spin-off series of Joey. It looks terrible. It is terrible. I think she's a bit... When she's saying, what have we done to ourselves? That, for what's just happened, seems like an overreaction. We've, I, I mean, that's happened at my house. <laughs> someone wants something on, so they go and turn it on. There's someone wants it off, so they turn it off. Someone turns it back on again. Yeah. It's hardly the breakdown of society that I would envisage if you were trapped. Not really, with the breakdown of society. Yeah. Uh, it is here that all three of them realise that the goods they ha- that they have that meant... Oh, f*** off. It is here that all three of them realise that the goods they have that meant something to the civilised world mean nothing now. Their place of sanctuary is really like a prison. Winges. It definitely isn't. I think it sounds fun. I would be living the That's amazing, yeah. yeah. Arseholes. Earlier, Fran had demanded to learn how to fly the helicopter in case anything were to happen to Stephen, but during one of her lessons, they are spotted by a gang of motorcycle-riding survivalists who have been casing the joint. That evening, the survivalists approach coveting the supplies inside the mall. They try to contact Peter, Fran and Stephen by radio, but Peter is smart enough not to respond. He knows that they will be killed if the survivalists find them. His plan is to let the looters break in and take what they want, then leave, but in that they won't find the camouflaged entrance to their home. The looters break into the mall and zombies flood in with them. Stephen, believing the mall belongs to him because he's a bit of a dick, Sneaks into the mall and tries to shoot the bikers who return fire, obviously knowing they're there now. Yeah. With no choice but to help his friend, Peter creeps through air shafts, picking off isolated bikers and zombies. Unable to cope with both Peter and the zombies, the bikers decide to leave after they've had a pie fight with the zombies. Yeah. Before they do, two of them enter the elevator where Stephen is hiding on top and begin blindly shooting, severely wounding him. He is later attacked and bitten by zombies and dies in the elevator. In the mall, the zombies corner and eviscerate several of the remaining looters. Peter does a great sniper shot to oh, those yeah. two bikers who are flying back out the entrance. He's yeah. up in a he's up in the shaft or something, isn't he? Yeah. And he's looking down and he just pops one of them off, wounds him. And it's then like about, the guy in a sidecar. Yeah. 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 He pop he falls off and then they all munch on him. Delicious. Peter returns to their hidden apartment and waits with Fran. They are unsure if Stephen has survived, but they know he will return either way. Now a zombie, Stephen remembers how to get through the hidden wall to the storeroom. He leads the horde of zombies up the stairwell. When the zombie Stephen appears, Peter kills him. He tells Fran to leave, refusing to go with her. He helps Fran onto the roof where she prepares the helicopter. Peter stays in the store and waiting for the zombies to flock in and planning to shoot himself before they can grab him. But at the last minute, he decides he wants to live and fights his way through the zombies to the helicopter. Fran delayed taking off until the last possible moment and Peter is able to hop into the helicopter. The two fly off to an uncertain future with little fuel left. Oh shit! Shia, yeehaw, yeehaw! <laughs> Woo! You just bat my leg. <laughs> <laughs> right, to uh, Frighties and Delighties. 
Yes, please. Let's go. We are coming live from Nottingham's Vic Centre. Check your screens for the nearest rescue stations. But in the meantime, frights and delights. <laughs> Sweet. I I think you should go first this time. I always go first. And I seem to jump in. Um, quite, all right. You've put me right on the spot then. I'm going to go with a fright straight off the bat. I think. We don't know if this rumour's true, but the extras in this film only reportedly got paid one buck a donut and got a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. I don't know if that's real. Yeah, well, I read that somewhere as well. It might have been the same place, might have been different places. If different places, it's more likely to be true. Uh, but yeah, I saw that. The Most of the uh, zombies who had their close-ups were uh, friends and family of the crew. Nice. Which is uh, it's nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the uh, Captain Rhodes from Day of the Dead, played by Joe Pilato, uh, was in Dawn of the Dead as the unnamed policeman. That is something we've already said. Yeah, we touched on that at the start. Don't know why I said it again. Well. To delight, that's why. Yeah. Okay, delight. Several members of the motorcycle gang were actual members of the local chapter of the Pagans Motorcycle Club. Sweet. Uh, the hogs yes. that they rode were uh, were their own. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, it was. It wasn't the fact you said hogs. It was the face you pulled. <laughs> I wonder who, how they were approached. Well, I don't just, know. I'm just going to go over and talk over to those guys in that biker gang over there and see. If Probably. I think they they look meaner than they are, don't they, bikers? Yeah. Can't judge a book by its cover. No. Or you can't judge a biker by his leather jacket and beard. And tats. Tats. And massive hog. They did in the 70s, though, didn't they? They did, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. You tell me. Well, I, have you not seen Easy Rider? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got a delight. Dario Argento. Sorry. Dario Argento did music for the film and was also an important... An important financier of the film much like in night of the living dead the funding for this film was hard to come by and someone stepped in to help this time it was argento he was a big fan of night of the living dead uh, and argento offered his home in rome to romero so he could write the sequel in peace yes despite argento being a scriptwriter himself he left romero to it and he banged out that script in three weeks Yes, and he what didn't he? Uh, he wanted to be the person to put it out in Europe. He had something to do with distributing yeah. it in Europe, or Argento like sorted the soundtrack. Basically, he did sound for the film. Uh, yeah. In uh, exchange, hang on, let me get this right. He did most of the. Hold soundtrack. on, we're going to get something right on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he did the soundtrack and he provided the much-needed funding to make the film a reality uh, in exchange for his cash. Argento gained the rights to edit the European version of the film. Yes. Okay. Delightful. Yeah, he was a fan. Stepped in and then asked for something in return. (laughs) So I like this one. There's... We see it a few times. There's a there's a bar 
in the uh, Monroeville Mall called Brown Derby. Yeah. Where it was an actual bar, and uh, the, some of the actors went there after shooting. Got a bit lively. Yes. Getting a little bit drunk. Yeah. Got a little bit tipsy. I don't know what they were drinking. And one night, actually do, stole a go. Got the gopher cart, a <laughs> golf cart, <laughs> crashed into a marble pillar, causing $7,000 worth of damage. Yeah. Pocket money. Not when you're struggling for fi- for finance. Oh, that's true. But that was piss annoying. Yeah, probably. You're right. Uh, but hilarious. In the first draft of the script, the ending was more morbid. I, I don't know if this is a fright or a delight. I'll let you decide. I think this is a. I think I know what you're going to say, and I think it's a. I think it's a delight. Okay, I think it's a delight, but it's a fright because I think this ending would have been really good, and they didn't use it, so that's a fright. You know what I mean? Yes. Anyway, I'll tell everyone else what we're talking about. Uh, in the first draft, Peter killed himself, and Fran apparently killed herself too by putting her head into the helicopter blades. Oh, uh, the credits were then going to run with just the sound of the helicopter in the background, which would, after a a bit, splutter and stop, implying that even if they had made a run for it, they wouldn't have made it far, because the fuel ran out after a couple of minutes. I I quite like that. Yeah. (laughs) You any more? Yes. On that note, Savini made a prosthetic head for Galen for when she jumped up into the the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the head that she wasn't could... actually going to do it. What? She wasn't actually going to do she it. She wasn't actually she was going, going to, to go do method. It. No, she she wasn't going to go method. No. Oh well. Ugh, horrible. So when they changed the end, the ending of that, he had this head. So that was the head that at the start that we see that loose cannon woolly blowing off when he kicks over that door, blows up. Yeah, they had to change it from a white woman to a Hispanic man, didn't they? Yeah. Looking. Yeah. Also, actually, I've got a, on that subject. I've got a fright. There's a. Did you spot the blacked up fella? No. He's part of the Hispanic sort of gang thing at the tenement building. They're on the roof. They come out before they kick down the doors okay. and get in the tenement building. The guy jumps out and he's wearing a checkered shirt like a proper hippie. He's clearly not a black fella. Really? He's definitely <laughs> painted. I did not see that. Did you see the guy? Oh, this is a fright. I'm just going to chuck in there. The guy who got the who was uh, doing the uh, blood pressure test. Yes. Yeah. He, did you see the picture I sent to our band's group message thing? No. Of him. Let me show you on my phone now. Uh, I might put this on Facebook to let everyone know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Where is my phone, Jimmy? Well, I don't know. I haven't got it. You just had it in your hand a minute ago. It's here. Right. I can edit out any silence. Don't worry. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Well, I'll just chuck in. A, okay. This is the most profitable film from the of the dead series little snippet oh is it yeah yeah most profitable that's pretty cool okay here's the picture i put this picture on reddit okay yeah (laughs) does that look like anyone that you may recognize from a tv series oh Oh. no you were gonna say it is charlie day from uh, always sunny yeah Yeah. I just saw that and I thought, holy shit, that's the wild card. <laughs> and I put it on Reddit, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia subreddit, and I got 5.7 thousand likes. 
God, is that good? I don't know. I don't know what Reddit is. You know, I'm I'm in, in the <laughs> dark ages, boy. Uh, well, it's a lot of it's a lot of likes. I mean, there there are more. I know the numbers big. <laughs> it's better than it's more attention than I've ever got. Okay. So it's a win. To say I have three posts that I've ever put on Reddit as well. Ow. Anyway, Friday delighty. Shooting took place at the Monroeville Mall in Monroeville. Shooting took place in Monroeville Mon- M- Mall in Monroeville. They shot the film in the winter of 77 to 78, but they halted filming in the mall for three weeks due to Christmas period because it would have been a bitch to take down all the decorations before shooting and then put them back up for the mall to open. While they were not using them all for those three weeks, they shot the TV studio material and I think the tenement scenes. Okay. Scene, sorry. Where they had a blacked up guy and a white woman's fake prosthetic head made to look Hispanic. Yes. Yeah. Filming inside the mall started at 10 a.m. No, it didn't. Filming inside the mall started at 10 p.m. and ended Uh. at 6 a.m. Despite the mall not opening until 10 a.m., this was because all the music and lights came on at 6 a.m. and no one knew how to turn them off or make them come (laughs) on later. So, I mean, that's annoying. You're losing a good three hours filming (laughs) just because no one knows where the switch is. Yeah. I've got a delight. You probably think it's a fright. Maybe. So when that uh, sort of comical music comes on. Yeah. In the mall and all that. Zombies are like uh, shuffling around. They're going up and down <laughs> the ele- escalators and like, whoa, bumping yeah. into things. And it's like, it's not Benny Hill, but it's that type of music. Yeah. <laughs> Falling over and shit. I thought Just that was found funny. my clip for the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as we said before it was originally supposed to be a more comedic sort of yeah film but the Night of the Living Dead was and it had more of a comic-y book style to it but then they took that back and then yeah just they left in a little bit of humour there's always a little tiny little bit of humour in the in the whole Romero series of zombie films I think yeah um, I've got down as a fright the pie fight, pie fight. Because I like the the camp comedy and my horror, but that was mental. <laughs> There's a have you got a reason for this? I'm sure there was a reason for it for the pie fight. Yeah, well that I've said to you. No. Oh, the, the, a reason the, why the pie why fight. why they did it. Yes. Let me tell you. Okay. I did see an explanation of where this came from while filming Night of the Living Dead. The question arose of how to eliminate an undead person. Is that the right word? Yep. Okay. Uh, a woman whose name I have here, Marilyn Eastman. Cool, you pronounced oh, that Marilyn. stunningly well. What, Marilyn Eastman? Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> she was an actress on the film of Night of the Living Dead. She joked that the secret to killing them should be a pie in the face. And the joke stuck, possibly ah. becoming a reason for why that scene is in Dawn of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Working title, Dawn of the Living Dead. <laughs> Good this does make a bit of sense, Yeah. considering that Romero was intentionally adding a comedy side yeah. to the sequel. Yeah, you've got to have a bit of comic relief. It's a long film. You need. You can't just have a... Wouldn't be so long if they cut the pie scene, though, would it? Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe you're right. Where did they get all the pies from? They just, uh, they literally opened a fridge. I mean, and this is what possibly annoyed me about that, that scene. You're in an apocalyptic scenario, yeah? Okay. You're, yeah. you're a survivalist. Yeah. You're riding around your state, your country, trying to find food. You find a mall with the electricity working. Yeah. A fridge that's on. Yeah. Inside, there's chilled pies and chilled food. Mmm, cherry pie. You know what I'm going to do? Smash it over the face of a dead person. Clearly. Well, maybe that's what they needed. Maybe that's what they've that's, that's what they've been missing. That whole whimsical... In the zombie apocalypse, they've been missing the violence. Yeah. Because do you know what I'd do? I do. <laughs> yeah. Once we're settled, after a few... few couple more months in this shopping center i'm gonna go down and i'm gonna pants loads of zombies yeah i would definitely have a, me and you would have a boom, really good time pants. if this was happening yeah you've got uh, to have a bit of fun and i would have hidden a helicopter somewhere a bit better somehow maybe and then not flown yeah, around like a dipshit yeah attracting a load of attention yeah and you would have been fine yeah sit it out have a good time there's so much ammo in there we could have had shooting practice all the time this is where we'd those Probably. malls always had a cinema in them as well, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they've got an arcade. They had an arcade, didn't they? Playing Amazing that. time. I don't think we could get that much ammo out of this shopping centre. Why not? Because there's a cause there's not an ammo shop. We've got a Disney store and a game. Oh, in Nottingham. Yeah, and a yeah, boot. So I thought you were talking about the film. No. No, we Reality. could get some chavy clothes. Perfume. Yeah, you could get... Yeah, yeah. Loads it? of jewellery. Yeah. That shop where you have to walk around in a continuous line, you can't get out. Tiger, I think I mentioned it before. Is really? that what it's called? Yeah. I've never been there. It's just shit. It's just like shit. It's like table... Like at least tiny... we'd always be at the front of the line. Yeah. Tiny <laughs> tabletop snooker... Miniature snooker tables and <laughs> watermelons for glasses and shit like that. Have they still got an HMV? Yeah, that HMV, so we'd have I think, some music, get yeah. the stereos going, we could have party. Yeah. Is there a bargain booze or something like that? In no, but there's a Tesco. Yeah, that'll do. That'll run Food out. Food as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, tangent. Yes, that'll be good. I'm done for Frights and Delights. Well, I've got an interesting, maybe, kind of a game that you could play when you're watching uh, a George A. Romero... I we were play uh, z- what? I thought we were going to play a game. No, we're not going to play a game, but it, I think you, people who are listening, you could play this game maybe watching any George A. Romero zombie film. And I don't know about you, but because we've seen these films quite a lot of times, I've started to wander my eye off of, like, to the background. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at zombies, and you can see he's uh, he's got some quite interesting zombies just knocking about. Like, Walking Dead, you don't get interesting zombies. You just get dead f***ing people. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in this, we we see the nun. Do you remember the nun zombie? Yeah. yeah. Shopping. She's just she's trapped. Up. She was going to be killed. Yeah. She's she ju- was spared. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because uh, he liked her because she was a nun. Yeah, Romero was... liked her. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just there picking up a, I don't know. Holy water. Holy water. A bath tile sealant or something. Uh, what? And then you got the you got the hairy Krishna Zombie. Yeah, oh yeah, that was strange. He's an interesting character. Yeah. But then, also, there's a... You'll spot him somewhere. There's a topless fat man zombie. Oh, yeah, a classic. Did you spot yeah. him with his massive undead titties? 
I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. It's a postman. Okay. There's a guy at the, the a zombie at the uh, mall doors who has got far too much blusher on his face. He looks like a drag queen. Nothing wrong with drag queen. They queens. do have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, there's a cowboy. Yeah. You spot the cowboy? Yeah, spot the cowboy. Uh, baseball player comes, kneels down in front of Fran. Yeah. There's a zombie with a lollipop stuck in her ear. Didn't see that. Didn't see that one? No. Uh, there's a nurse. There's the, the zombie holding the rifle backwards, so he's holding the barrel of the gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's wandering around like that. That's yeah, quite yeah, amazing. that was good. I thought a couple of zombies were trying to kill themselves. No, he's just walking around just, like that. Just stupid. And later, it, when we get to Land of the Dead, you can see that they've actually learned how to use the guns. There's a guy in a suit and a tie, looks very sharp, like he's going to a business meeting, but he's just a zombie. Okay, yeah. So they're just some of the zombies that I picked out. I went, like I said earlier, I watched uh, the 2004 version first when I was about 15, I think 15. And Hold on, that's I'm... an 18 rated film. Well, what Where I did say? you get this from? Did you send someone into Blockbuster to rent it for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know where it came from. I own it. I have it on DVD. I had it then. I don't know where it came from. Uh, I didn't look old for my age. I didn't buy it myself. Don't know. No, because oh. you still look about 12 now. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wait, that's not a compliment. Some Michael J. Fox shit <laughs> going on. Michael Jackson <laughs> is not what I'm jumping on board, but he see, he's in The Zombies. There's someone in the Michael Jackson thriller jacket. Oh, f- I didn't see that. Damn in the it. 2004 version, obviously. Oh, in the 2004 version. Because in the one. version, Michael oh, Jackson okay. was still singing ABC. Oh, okay. Easy as one, two, three. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, uh, oh, right. yeah, but in the 2004 version, if I remember correctly, when they're at the top, they're on the mall, and they're taking pop shots with a rifle, just having a bit of fun, popping them in the head. Yeah. And I swear, I remember seeing Michael Jackson, basically, a, a zombie in, a, in an MJ red jacket. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see, that's not a, that's not an unusual thing, I don't think. No. So, I'm putting it out there, when you're watching these films... Message us, tell us which weird zombies you've seen, because uh, I think it's interesting. You could make it a game, like do a shot every time you see a weird yeah. zombie. Is it Roger who goes around shouting "Yeehaw"? Yes, Roger. Yeah. You could have Roger going around going "Yeehaw" and you hear a "Hee hee" at the other side. <laughs> that would be quite good. In the next remake, we should have those two things going on. Yeah, that reminds me. I need to show you some. Bite his leg. After this show, because it's funny. Okay. To do that. Anyway. <laughs> uh I think I'm done. Are you done? Sort of, yeah. Which where would you where would you make a beeline to if you're stuck in the if you're if you're stuck in a shopping mall? Where would you go? In where a zombie you... apocalypse. Yeah, obviously. In America or, or as we are now in Nottingham. Uh let's go um, Nottingham. Sport shop. Sport shop. For weapons. Weapons. Baseball bats. We're not exactly uh, indulged in the weapon industry in this country. No. <laughs> Which I, I think is a good thing. But in a zombie Absolutely. apocalypse, we might be uh, a bit Shit worried Shit out of luck, that. yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, baseball bat uh, for defence. Because staying alive is the most important thing. So arm yourself. Then uh, the Tesco. Yeah. Food and booze. Yeah. And then find somewhere safe to hole up. Yeah. And then have an explore. And when you, well, you know when you've got yourself safe... Yeah. You've barricaded away, like yeah. kind of like they did, really. And then we've yeah. got our weapons. Everyone's safe. We've got food to last 
a few weeks in that room. Yeah. We'll go out together, pretend to be in the SAS, checking the corners yeah. with our baseball bats instead of guns. And I, uh, Michael an... Jackson thriller jackets. On. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Blend in with the zombies. They won't attack you if they think you're one of them. <laughs> so we'll just dress like Michael Jackson, either in uh, Thriller or the late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> What's your plan? Well, no, that's no. I'm going with that plan. Yeah, that's a good plan. I like that. You can't fault that plan. Well, staying alive is the most important thing, and then uh, and then we can go and uh, scout out for a bit more of a scout out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know where we'll be. You know where we'll be good to hold up. If you've got electricity, yeah. Security office for the CCTV, yeah. Well, you got you've got and, they've got to have a backup generator or something, ain't they? Shopping malls, yeah. And also, the CCTV place is going to have TVs, right? So we could nip down to game, nick PlayStation, FIFA tournaments. Well, game have that TV in there, don't they? That you can try. You All can right, well, we'll take that up with us. Okay, yeah. So it's safer, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could uh, take there's going to be a Curry's or a TV shop. We'll have a wicked like. 3D FIFA TV. Yeah, that'd be good. Lovely. After we've got our baseball bats, though. Yeah. For point. Yeah. All right. Are you, uh, are you ready for the Master of the Macabre? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Master of the Macabre. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre. We are about to decide which one of these performers gets to stay with us in our safe security room. <laughs> yes, nice. And there's only room for one. Okay. So, uh, who have you got, Jimmy? Do you have a number of I've people? Got, yeah, I've got one. Okay, i got two. Shall I go for mine? Yep, go on. It's probably going to be one of yours. Uh, Ken Foree, who yes. played Peter, and Scott Reniger, or Reniger. Reniger. That guy, anyway. Yeah. Roger. Roger. <laughs> Roger and Peter. Yeah. I would probably go for Ken Foree, but Scott was really, really good. Yes, and he, the actual actual person in real life, he is the Prince of uh, Gahor. Well, I don't want to piss him off. I don't know where that is, but it sounds it's a important. Provi- Providence in uh, Western Afghanistan. It's official. He is. Is he a prince now? Is he still alive? Uh, I, yeah, I think he's still yeah, alive. I think yeah. he's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Uh, it was it 2004. It was found. It was revealed that he is the Prince of Gahor. Afghanistan. Had they got... been keeping it a secret up until that point? Uh, no, I think he just found out. His great, 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 great grandfather was one of the first Americans to set foot in Afghanistan. So he didn't marry in? No, and um, no, no, it was mental. It's really mental. You need to look it up and read it because it's crackers. But he is a badass in this. Yeah, he's and I really... do like it when he goes a bit batshit. Like he's proper. He's like when he's he's on that second truck. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I've got this fucking now. We know what we're doing. I'm doing it. He I'm does make it. a lot of noise. Yeah! The irritating noise. He's uh, on him. Oh, yeah! Um, he's not done a lot of other acting. No. He's in Night Riders. After this. And then he's a couple of other little things, but not, not a lot of stuff. 
So he was really good and Ken was good and I'd struggled to pick between the two. No, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, why? Because A, Ken is an original he's an OG badass. Okay. From just from the just from the start, surely. And he's got the best lines. Yeah. Kills Wooly, Wooly. Straight out the back, don't give a shit, got a gas mask on, got a lovely jumpsuit on, beautiful. Don't he ain't taking shit. Kills all the, the zombies in the cage, but he is he feels bad about it, I think. Yeah, you can tell he does. Um But out of the performance of the two, I couldn't I couldn't say one did better than the other. Uh Ken lasts longer. Ken also that bit they're at the gas station and the kids run out of the closet uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he kills the kids, so that's a plus for me. Okay, killing annoying kids. Yeah, well, well yeah. they were Tom okay. Savini's nephew and niece, I think. Yeah, and they weren't supposed to run. They're the only zombies that run. Yeah, like in any of them. <laughs> that's, that's what you get for f- not hiring actors. Bloody, he's got the best lines, I think. As we've mentioned before, is he's the only one to mention the word zombie. Yeah. He also delivers... That's not an acting thing. That's just what's in the script. Yeah, but he does it... Oh, he does that off-the-cuff cuff thing where they're, they're talking through the radio to each other. Ken and... Uh, about height. Scott, about height. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't in the script. No, yeah. And he chucked that in. That I was think quite Scott good. Scott was 5'7 and Ken was 6'5. Six, 6'5, six, five. Six, five, yeah. That's insane. Uh, he, I, he delivers the, the. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. That's a script thing again, though. Yes, I know. But he's <laughs> the one who's delivering it and he delivers it beautifully. <laughs> well, give it, to, give it to Ken because I'm on, I'm on the fence with both of them. Okay. So if you feel strong, I'm getting about into Ken. his. I'm getting into more of his character, of what he's doing. Not, do you know what I mean? You're yeah. saying it's in the script. But well, you're saying he's got all the best lines. He's got some of the best lines. Yeah, like, because how they much, were how written much... in the script for his character to say. Well, yeah, but it's he's not Scott's delivering... fault that he wasn't given the best lines. Yeah, but Scott's not delivered these lines beautifully like Ken does. <laughs> I th- I think he's he got is. that soul in him. Like, there's that point where Ken. Um, Ken goes to Fran, yo, you leaving everyone behind? And she's like, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, are you Peter? And he goes, some brothers. <laughs> now, we don't know if they're his actual brothers or they're just brothers. Okay. Lovely. I don't know. Brilliant. Very strong leading African-American character. Okay. In the lead, I think. He's, uh, he's, the, he's the only man to survive. He also played Roger Rockmore and Keenan and Kel. Do you remember that? Holy shit, did he? Yeah. Who loves Orange Soda? Kel loves Orange Soda. soda. <laughs> okay, give it to Ken. Yes. Thank you, Ken. For E, for A, for E. As yes. you know, this is the podcast you come to to hear people's surnames pronounced correctly. In bad accents. Boom. Good accents. Ken. Oh, and he was in uh, Devil Rejects, wasn't he? Ken. Yes. Excellent. There you go. Bosh. Bish bash. Bosh. Moving on. Swiftly. To the Madhouse rating system. The Madhouse rating system. The walls are being breached. We're running out of food rapidly. But first we need to rate this film. It's the Madhouse rating system. Bow, bow, bow. 
First up, we've got that tension and suspense. Over or overall, this film I didn't rate much in terms of tension and suspense. Probably because we're so spoilt with modern horror, or at least horror that is more modern than this. For its time, it's hard for me to say it does a good job of setup and execution of tense events. It's just that maybe we've been exposed to so much more in the sense that the techniques around today are so good. Yeah. There's like so much more room these days to maneuver. Uh, you can explore more styles. There are almost no restrictions in morality these days in films. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Torch pawns out there. Oh, uh, yeah. So nothing's off limits. So viewing this as a product of its time, I suspect it had a bit of bigger effect on the audience of the time than it would have on people now. And with that kind of view of that we like to take of rating it while remembering its place in time and history, I think it's at least half a star. Yes. I think it pushed boundaries in terms of suspense. In, uh, in terms of suspense, but not much further than its predecessor did a decade before. Well, this delivers a slight, it's a slightly different tone to Night of. Yeah. And like you said, there's it's not tension, it's not suspense from start to finish. It's got little pockets of it. So like when we have uh, um, Roger like in the in the truck trying to get the truck coming, we can see the zombies come in. Yeah, we know he's gonna get bitten, and shit's gonna go down. You get it in a different form as well when he's dying. Yeah, and coming back. Yeah. So like you say, it has pockets. Yeah, because they are they're now they're living it. So you've got to, you've got to have these bits where they've cleared out where they've cleared it all out and they're there and they're living their life to as best they can, you know, doing what they were doing, watching the trying to watch the telly. She's preggers trying to watch the telly. Ken slicking his hair back, going for dinner together, just doing the normal mundane sort of stuff. Yeah, you've got to have that because you get yeah, and that's what they they do in The Walking Dead as well, which I think was where they got. Got got it from. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I think this is one of them films. My, but you've got to have the you got to have the low points, as well as all the action and the and the zombies. You got to see how people are living their life during this zombie apocalypse because it's not all f- flesh eaters coming at you. You got to have that point where you're just sitting back trying to play Mario Kart, having a wank, eating a burrito, all at once. If that's what you want to do, boy. <laughs> I the the way I see it is it's coming as the sequel to Night of the Living Dead, which was a film that upped the stakes constantly in one big kind of raise to a crescendo of a big yeah fight out. The they're in the house and then there's people in the basement and there's zombies outside and there's more. I feel like upping the stakes in this one was just more zombies and more stuff but i get where you're coming but from that's where that's that's the progression it's a story yeah, the, well, yeah that's the progression of it that's where we're at yeah and it was it was a decade from the between the two fi- filming yeah, of the between the two films but i think it's only a matter of it's a matter of days 
isn't it? In, yeah, on in the, the actual world. timeline yeah. in in the world. And, so what uh, are you saying for? Uh, let's get let's give it suspense. half. Let's give it half yeah. for the old tension and suspense. All right, okay. Boom. Next up, we've got gore and visual effects. Uh, there is some great gore in this film. Heads blown off, F- fake heads, obviously, uh, that used to belong to Galen. Uh, blades through skulls. It's nineteen seventy eight, and of course, all the effects are practical, which I always love. It always works really well. Um, apart from in this film, the skin makeup. There's worse in some shots than others. Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit bluey, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit art. It, it uh, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, bluey obviously is it's the blue, word to describe it. I think Savini wanted it to be grey, yeah, greyer, because Living Dead was in black and white, and you couldn't see. Yeah, so you wanted well, to he go for that. Shows grey, but it turned up bluer on camera. Yeah, then he didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, so he was a bit disappointed. Yeah. Yes. But he does a lot of his. Zavini is the fucking master. Yeah. Like he did a lot of the figuring it out, just on the spot. Just going like there's a there's a great shot of oh, who is it? I think it's either Roger or Steve who shoots a zombie on the floor in the head. Yeah. And they did it by pull it. Had a wire attached to a soup can that pulled the lid off and splattered. Yes. The sort of out of the back of the soup can yeah. out of his head which was that's just that's quite that's ingenious yeah it's just that thinking on the spot we need this to happen and work because George says so yeah so how do I make it work yeah the uh, Tom Savini as you said head makeup artist in general did an amazing job uh, ap- apart from possibly the blue face but we can let that go. He was unhappy with the fake blood. Yeah, I did hear that. As it was very bright red, which I know you like the bright red look. Yeah. And I don't really, I don't care either way, one way or the other. Um, He said it looked fluorescent. Romero liked the fake blood colour because he said the film was meant to have more of a comic book feel and also to be more comical than Night of the Living Dead. So yeah. I guess he wanted to separate the two films from each other. Maybe it made it easier to make a sequel purposely trying to make it harder to judge the two together yeah so people aren't always constantly doing what i'm doing (laughs) 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 and pitting them against each other food coloring peanut butter and cane sugar syrup and i'll have the pasta please oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so what you say yeah that's what the blood was okay (laughs) uh eight people that's the amount of people there were in the makeup department that had to do the makeup for 200 extras. Shit. Took three hours a pop, I think. And I think they ran out of blue. <laughs> Grey, sorry, that turned out blue. Uh, the scenes inside the helicopter were all shot while on the ground. This seems obvious once you find it out, but I would never have put that together myself. They had a black backdrop for nighttime and a blue one for daytime, so top-notch technical solutions right there. They did just uh, do those scenes and then they added the real helicopter exterior action shots afterwards. That also seemed more interesting when I wrote it down. Um, Tom Savini's, uh, he's the, uh, he's kind of, he got involved as well. Stunts and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because he's in it. Yeah. He jumped off, uh, he jumped off that 
small ledge mezzanine yeah that's good fair play getting involved loving it he also he, i think he picked the guy to play i think it was his friend the guy gets his head chopped off or the top of his head chopped off by the helicopter he picked his mate to do it because he had a big forehead yeah i read that yeah i forgot about that till you just said it yeah I want you. You're perfect for the part. Oh, what is it? My charisma, my good looks? No, you've got a big forehead. <laughs> I need to chop about two inches of it off. <laughs> I would give it a star for going visual effects. Yeah, they're like uh, Steve when he's a zombie looks amazing. Walks like yeah, a zombie yeah. amazingly. Yeah. There's a there's the iconic zombie at the gas station. That Steve tries to shoot in front where Ken's behind him. That's on T-shirts and all sorts of business. Yes. Looks amazing. Yeah. Give it a star. Nice. Next up, it's the performance. Oh, what do you say about the performances? It was nice performances from the cast. (laughs) Well, it was, uh, well, yeah. Enjoyable, over-the-top performances. And this film comes with some... Great stories of improvisation, like we said. Yes. The Scott and Ken improvise the scene where they make fun of each other's height. Um, Scott oh, the, nearly sorry. didn't get that job. Sorry, and that bit where um, the children run out at Ken. Oh, yeah. He didn't know that they were going to run out at him. So his reaction at that first bit was authentic. So he nearly actually shot them. <laughs> well, my house, <laughs> we don't know. Uh, yes, snuff film. Scott uh, Rainiger nearly didn't get the job because Romero was worried that the height disparity would be too much on screen. But Scott said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing because I'll slump it down. Uh, no, when people see the shit going down on screen, they won't notice or care about the height difference. Okay. And then he offered him the job. Yeah. So that works. If you don't get a job you want, just uh, be blunt and swear him. That'll work. Yeah, so Galen Ross, who played Fran... Didn't want to be the typical screaming, hysterical woman. She wanted to be a strong and powerful woman. She didn't want to do any screaming. Yeah. Uh, and she, she didn't want to be, like, she wanted to be able to fight the zombies on her own. She didn't need a man to to help her. So I think that's quite a nice okay. yeah. thing, that she wanted to be a powerful, strong woman. Not be that typical, hysterical yeah, and we've pointed out numerous times <laughs> that the women in horror, um, a lot of time in earlier films, used to just scream, get hysterical, and look lovingly into the eyes of a man. <laughs> she don't need no man. She, yeah, she called bullshit on that and refused to scream. Yeah, did she? Uh, did Romero ask her to scream, and, and then she said, "Yeah, no. she said no because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that 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 character." Yeah, and then he didn't ask her again. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. She was also fighting zombies. Yes. And, and that was due to her saying, uh, I want to be fighting zombies. Not just... In fact, I suspect... Not just cooking Steve's yeah. tea. After finding all this... You know there's a bit where she says, uh, don't expect me to be just playing uh, den mother to you boys. Yes. Thing. I think that's probably come from that. Yeah, probably, yeah. Shut that in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a shortage of... Uh, a shortage of budget meant a shortage of stuntmen. So the job taken on by the makeup artist Tom Savini and his assistant Tezo Stravaskis, like you said. Yep, great. 
Um, then did most of the stunts and did pretty well, apart from the incident where Savini hissed himself. Hissed himself? Pissed himself? He didn't piss himself either. Uh, hurt himself, missing a pile of boxes. Did you hear about that? Uh, no. He was meant to land on the boxes after he swung down from a banner, but his back and legs hit the floor. He hurt his back and legs and spent a few days using a golf cart to get around and work. So I bet getting pissed up and stealing a golf cart didn't seem like such a bad idea at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this the same golf cart? <laughs> I would have thought. I mean, how many golf carts do you find in a mall? Oh, yeah, uh, of I course. wonder if those open bars were the reason he was doing stunts in the first place. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that golf, court, golf cart did come in handy. Either, I don't know if it was before or after they got drunk and crashed it or, or stole it or whether they, I don't know, who knows. Yeah. No, because they drunkenly stole it, didn't they? As yeah, well, so yeah, it yeah. must have gone. Well, it's here, and I broke my back, so I use that. Oh, I bet it was him as well. But it was him who stole <laughs> yeah. it. In it the does first just say place. crew members, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I haven't got anything more for performance. Okay. What are you saying about the well. performance? Then you give it a star. Yeah. Yeah. Just give it a star. Lovely. Yeah. So we're on two and a half stars. Next up is musical score and sound effects. It's one of those films that kind of has a story, but not really. Okay. It's a mishmash of soundtrack. Uh, some good decisions were made, and some cheesy 70s music was also chosen. Yep. When the trucks are being moved around, it looks and sounds like a 70s buddy cop movie, that, uh, and that dated sound keeps recurring throughout. Can't hold it against it, though, because that's the music that was banging around at the 70s. That's true, yeah. That sort of scene. A lot of the music was taken from the Music of the Wolf Library, and which I'm sure we've mentioned before in a couple of episodes. It's free, and more importantly, rights-free music anyone can use. Uh, there's an extended version of the film, and in that version, when Peter and Stephen are closing the mall gates to stop the bikers, the music that plays is the same as the music from the intro of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh. The other music in the film was from Argento, and that still sounds okay. And a band called it The fits. Goblins, isn't it? Uh, a band called The Goblins. Yes, in the international cut or something. He used a band called Goblin. That's yeah. what I was saying about it. It's, it's a mishmash. It's hard to figure out who did what and yeah. for what cut because there were quite a lot of different cuts and they used different soundtracks. Uh, but Goblin, yeah, an Italian four-piece. He worked with them to create original pieces. Goblin had the year before Dawn of the Dead done the soundtrack for Suspiria in 77. Oh, okay. Uh, so the different versions of the films all seem to have different soundtracks, so it's hard to pin down what's in what. It also makes it hard to rate it with an all-encompassing star or no star. Um, pretty, pretty things have a song in it when there's that hunting scene going on with the National Guard are out and there's all the rednecks got their oh, guns. Right. Yeehaw in again, probably. They were all volunteers. Yeah, they were. Um, everyone. The hunters, police... Yeah. Ambulance and fire. Just turned up. Lovely. Uh, I don't know what to do for music. What do you want to do? Well, I'm saying no, but I do. Enjoy, I did enjoy all the comedy music, like I said, that, that goes on in the mall. And they're all just giving it around. What are we on, then, now? What? What are we on? We're on two and a half stars. Out of five? Yes. For Dawn of the Dead? Yes. All right, so we're on to overall experience. Yes! What do we do? <laughs> Overall experience. Yeah. You got you gotta give it a star. I was thinking it's of just giving good. it a star. It's one of the best zombie films ever made. 
minutes and four out of five sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Just go and watch it. Don't listen to us talk about it. Go and bloody watch it. Yeah. Well, Learn something. I'm hoping people watch it before they listen to this or we've just ruined the whole thing. That's the point of the podcast. Oh. You watch the film first. Go, you get some tips. Before you to a plot slot. Yeah. And ruin it all for you. Get some tips. Watch all the films so you know what's going on because it's going to happen soon. Uh, We're all going to be down the shitter. We, well, sure, maybe. It's going to happen. We'll see. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. Well, I'll, I'll see you at the Vic Centre if he does. If I can get here. Nah, we need to find a better place. It's too close. It's too close. Okay. We've got to find one of them. We don't have them here. We they should... call them strip malls in America. They're on sort of the outskirts uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. shitty bits of town. We don't really have enough room for that kind of need. We should uh, get some uh, radios. What are they called? Walkie talkie. No. Come in there, buddy. Good buddy. Uh, Ham radio type people with it's the CBs. There in the air. What? The CB radios. CB radio. Ham radio operators use. Oh, yeah. CB radio. It's my film choice, Jimmy. Come in there, rubber duck. Yeah. Come in your what? <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for my film choice? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you don't get this, I'm going to slap you upside the head. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Because... This is a gift. I've literally wrapped this up. You just need to peel back the paper and read what it says. Oh, okay. Is it something I'm going to enjoy? I think you'll get it in the first three words. Okay. 27 years. 27 years. After their first encounter with a terrifying... Is it it, chapter two? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 27 years after their first encounter with a terrifying... Pennywise, if you hadn't got it by then, you would. The Losers Club have grown up and moved away until the devastating phone calls bring them back. This is the 2019 It Chapter 2, and I feel like we need to bookend the fact that we did the first one. Absolutely lovely, because actually, uh, I'm in to watch it on Saturday. Are you? Yeah, we got it Got it downloaded already. That's my Saturday night. I wonder night. if you've ordered it, because it comes out on DVD on Monday, and I've got it pre-ordered. Oh, yeah, yes. I've ordered it, <laughs> not, not illegally downloaded no, it. No, no, of course not. I, no. Uh, no, I've ordered it, and it's coming on Monday on, on release day, so I wanted to, I can watch it that night, and we can do the episode uh, on Friday. Yeah, I was probably. just talking, no, yeah. we've got a gig on Friday. Yeah. One day next week. That's why I'm watching it Saturday. Okay, yeah, yeah, because we've got a gig this Friday as well. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be good. James McAvoy in it, in it. Yeah, it looks really good. I have not seen it, so I, I can't tell you definitely. No, I haven't I put either, money on it being good. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, are we done for the day? No, don't we need to do a... Aren't we doing a competition? Oh, shit, we... yeah. Competition time. Your chance to win a framed Dawn of the Dead poster and a Headstone Horrors album. Oh, yes, lovely. What's Lucky. it called, Jimmy? The Headstone Horrors album? Yeah, the latest one. Uh, It is called... Welcome to Purgatory. Is it not called This Town Called Purgatory? It's called This Town Called Purgatory. <laughs> I asked you because I wasn't 100% sure, but you said it and it sounded wrong. Uh, it's our own album that we're going to give away to yeah, you. Yeah, we're chucking up badges and uh, maybe a couple of stickers and stuff as well. Yeah. It's a simple one this time. It's a question. Yeah, Jimmy's going to ask you a question. Email us at themadhaspodcast.outlook.com, the answer. and uh, we'll... Chuck them in a hat. Pick a winner out of hat again, yeah. We'll chuck them in the sombrero and have a little wriggle around. Yep. Pick out a winner. Sweet. 
What's the question, Jimmy? The question is, what is the famous poster tagline from Dawn of the Dead? That is, what... I'll repeat that. What is the famous poster tagline from the film Dawn of the Dead? And for an extra point, which character says it in the film? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll uh, I'll I'll chuck in a plectrum for that one. Yeah. If you can. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll chuck in something anyway. <laughs> oh, Jimmy's going to fart in a box. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, are we done now? It'd be a lot more moist. I'm glad you brought that back up. I would have been so annoyed with myself if we forgot the competition. It's a, it's a really good poster, by the way. It's nice. I framed it myself. And by that, I mean I bought a frame, put it in it, and it built the frame. Beautiful. We're good to you. Yeah, we are. Uh, but that is it for today. We are once again calling time of death on another episode. We will see you in two weeks' time for It Chapter 2. And in ten episodes, we'll see you for our next George A. Romero special. And remember, just as every night is followed by a dawn, every dawn is followed by a day. Day! Boink!